Morag Phillips, Miss Morag to many, has been dancing most of her life, though she had to cope with the conservative values of her family who didn't see dancing as a real profession. But growing up in Dechmont in West Lothian, she did go to Highland dance classes where the teacher taught ballet after those classes were finished. She fought hard to take her hobby to a much higher level and eventually won. I wasn't that academic. I was more artistic. So eventually, after lots of rows, I went to the school, did my three years, ended up going to the Academy of Ballet with Jack Spurgeon and Joan Tucker as well. And then I just went into the business, basically. Well, it sounds as though you must have been really quite good. Well, I thought, because I was a late starter in the fact that there wasn't classes for three-year-olds, and um, I think I was eight before I got to ballet, it was really a Highland dance teacher, Mrs Pettigrew. She did a bit of ballet at the end of the Highland class, and then eventually I was allowed to get on the bus after school to go into Shanbit Place for Theatre School of Dance and Drama. And I had set my heart on being a teacher, mainly because that was sensible. And in my family, you had to be sensible. But my teachers at the time one day said, what do you keep talking about teaching for? You, you have to go and dance professionally first. And I said, well, I'll not be good enough. And they sort of said, well, I think it'd be a waste if you were a teacher before you were a dancer because you're, you're OK. You know, they told me I was good. I didn't believe them because, you know, when you're very... When you're living in Edinburgh in those days like the 70s, you thought that everybody in London were amazing. And very Be sophisticated, weren't they? Yes. And also, because you didn't know, we didn't have the internet. We couldn't see people doing seven or eight pirouettes. So when we were doing our two or three, we were thinking, but this isn't going to be good enough. So you were had that feeling of... Yes, you can do well up here, but the world's a big place. Sometimes you end up doing something you didn't set out to do, but it turns out to be the best thing. If I had joined a ballet company, I might still be in Glasgow, and I wouldn't have known any better. But look at all the different things I've done. It gave me a lot a wider experience. Can you things. give me a flavour of what you've done? I always came back, whatever contract I was doing abroad, I would always come back to do the pantomime at Kirkcaldy at the Adam Smith Centre. So you felt you always had a job. So I always made sure... I, I, went, I came back for something. I cut short quite a few jobs because I wanted to be home for Christmas and do pantomime. So what kind of pantos did you enjoy? Well, they were all sort of pretty much the same. The principal boy, the principal girl, the comic, whatever. Cinderella was, was fantastic. Puss in Boots I did. Oh, Puss in Boots was interesting because um, I got put on fire at one point. <laughs> which kind of is a bit of a story. I um, was playing the pussycat that turned into a human. So to turn into the human, the pussycat had to curl up on the counter in the cobbler's place and they set off one of these flash pans that go... and it would go up in a puff of smoke and it would go blackout, more I'd roll, flash. So it was timed beautifully and there was one day that it went off while I was still there. It was my hip that got it, and it didn't go up into fire. What happened was it smouldered and melted because of the modern costumes, and I crawled through the flap at the back. The lady that was playing Puss in Boots turned and looked at the side, and she says, all I saw was you, and she says, I had the show must go on, she said, and I thought, oh, right, OK. You know, she saw I was in trouble, but she ignored me because she was a trooper. Then the stagehands got hold of me and dragged me out and stamped on me and pulled the costume off. 
and he ended up in the hospital. Afterwards, it became quite a story because they still tell the story about Morag going up in flames. And um, I'll not tell you the name they called me. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so just some of the other things that you might have done yes. in the inter- international tours. In- internationally, you would, for instance, the very first contract abroad I went on, we were all young girls and it was very much a variety show. They had like ballet, tap, jazz myself and the boy would he, he would throw me around and it was very lyrical there would be fur there would be feathers so it was very very variety and that would tour round and sometimes it would be in a smaller cabaret place but other times you'd be in something like they called the luna park in alicante it was massive and it would have a different star every week like they had demis Roussos, who nobody has heard of anymore but um, they had a Lorna Luft, who was Eliza Minnelli's sister. She's a really lovely singer. And various acts that were very well known on the continent, but not known so well over here. And they would come like a week each, but we were always the same backing dancers. We got to go to the beach during the day. They did the two shows at night. Really enjoyed it. And um, after that, I did very little auditioning because once you're in a show, people see you. And then you get a phone call, are you free? And you would end up, that's how I ended up in Japan. I signed the contract at Heathrow Airport. Japan, I think, was my favourite place to go. It was amazing. It was the most enormous, great big theatre. They had um, things in the stage that went up and down and round. They had people flying across. It was just amazing. It was an enormous expensive show and it was like really just rich people that went to it sometimes when you went on these contracts abroad you didn't really enjoy the actual dancing sometimes it was really rubbish but it was the traveling and the costumes there was always something to make to make it good I'd been teaching since I was 15 because in between contracts I would teach in London at the Erdang Academy um, down in Covent Garden I would then go away do something, come back and say, do you need me to do something? And Miss Erding was always, always a teaching work for me. She also had me working in the office, which gave me a really good understanding of ad- admin, so that when I came to run my school, I had a little bit of a background in it. So, so how did you end up setting up Lothian Dance Academy? In 1985, I did a year at the Royal Academy of Dancing because I wanted to sort of um, brush up on my teaching skills. And I have to say it was amazing because the things I learned from some teachers like Julia Farron and um, Holly Price, I mean, unbelievable nuggets of information, um, helped make me a better teacher. The plan was that I'd probably go away and dance abroad again after that, having sort of had that little rest and thinking about my future. But at that point, I really was enjoying the teaching. I'd been offered a job. I was teaching in London at the time. I got offered a job teaching in Venice. You can't say no to Venice. I was there for over a year and I got headhunted to go to Valencia to teach for two years in a full-time ballet school, which meant the the students were coming in every day. So I kind of felt pulled towards teaching full-time students. At the end of that, I think I'd been doing too much and I got a wee bit ill, so I thought, hmm, I'm coming home for a while. And I started a few classes once a week in Livingston and they filled up. And then they said, can you start another one? So I did. And then at the end of a year, I had nearly 200 pupils. If I hadn't met Stuart, I might have said, oh, look, leave the school in somebody else's hands and go back abroad and dance. But I was in my 30s. I was about 32 at the time. 
I met Stuart. He's your long-term he's yes. your husband, indeed. And he's still with us. <laughs> <laughs> that and the fact that when you're in your thirties, you, you have to think. My sensible head came on and said, "Mora, you cannot go around dancing your whole life because I wanted to leave while I was still getting work. I wanted to leave while I was still being offered work. So I left on a high. Decided to just keep going with the school. I moved." through with Stuart started Portobello and I ended up teaching in about five different places. I was in Davidson's Mains, I was in Ainsley Park, I was up at Grace Mount Leisure Centre which was one of the biggest schools at the time and then about 18 years ago I was going to give up because I thought do you know what I think I've had enough carrying my ghetto blaster around five different venues trying to do all the invoicing myself and I was getting stressed Stuart was walking up past Rosefield Avenue Lane one day and he said, just come and look at this building. And we looked at it and it was the old Rosefield Health Clinic. And recently I had actually had a wee bit of an inheritance from an aunt that was quite well off. And I had been thinking, well, I better buy my flat and do something sensible with the money. Sensible comes up in my world a lot, but the artistic person fights it all the time. So I thought, give it another go. We got this all done up, moved all my classes into it. And eventually it was just here. But it worked really well because when you're in your own place, you put your own personality on it. You can do exam practices when you want without thinking, can I find £25 an hour to pay for the leisure centre? And you were able to do so much more and what I noticed was because I was in one place parents would come to me and say are we only allowed to do one class a week and I said no you can do more if you want or can we do this one and that one and I would find that the people were doing at least two a week sometimes as many as five so that actually meant that uh, the number of pupils that I taught in a week which was 450 at one point (laughs) exhausting it came down to about 250 And that was better because it was 250 people that were doing twice a week or more. So actually, I found that the standard got better. And the standard was very improved about 20 years ago when I got Ashley Wynn into... Ashley Buckley, rather. She came to teach for me. She's just a a wee tiny little girl. She's still a tiny wee girl. And then eventually I had a student from the theatre school called um, Sarah Black. She came and taught with me while she was a student, you know, to practice teaching. And she was really, really good. And when she finished her course, that was her automatically with a job. I started to step back a little bit because of getting older and older and perhaps getting a wee bit bogged down with admin, which I hate. That's where we are really today. I always said to the girls, because they were so faithful, you're getting the school after I'm gone. <laughs> you know, the girls brought youth into it. And what I found is that you get to a certain age, you can't be scared of holding all the children to yourself. You've got to allow, bring other teachers in. We've got acro now, lyrical. We've got somebody's going to be doing Bollywood. One of our ex pupils, Molly Moran, is coming to do um, Bollywood workshops. That's on Facebook at the moment. She worked in Mumbai. So she's got a lot to bring back to the academy. What's nice is that from the very beginning where it was just me, there is now the people that I've maybe, I suppose, produced and brought into the school are adding much more to the school. And allowing you to step back. And allowing me to step back, bringing the younger people in, gives it a, a new, fresh essence. And since I've retired, 
I'm not officially retired yet till the end of November, but I've let the girls take over. I step in when I'm needed. And, for instance, I came up and I judged some medal tests the other day. I'll come and help at the show. I still own the costumes because I love working with costumes. I'll never not be Miss Morag. And it's quite nice to be able to come in and do little things as a volunteer because when you're volunteering, you don't have the stress and you don't have the admin. And, of course, I had a few health issues like my diabetes and what have you that being retired is allowing me time to start looking at the diet looking at the exercise and giving me time to make my health a project, if that makes sense. And Sometimes also giving you time to get involved with certain other things when thinks of Portobello Central. Yes. Now, everybody thinks I've retired and then I get all my friends saying, Maura, what are you doing? You're, you sound like you're just changing jobs. And I said, no, not really. I said, I love Portobello Central, which, of course, is the saving of the town hall. We were really just campaigning for the community to get it opened up again. And, and of it, course it all started when your show nearly didn't happen. I think there was a flake of something fell from the stage or a wee piece of plaster, we'll never know exactly. And I think they thought, this is it, we've got to do it, because they were running at a loss and it's a big millstone round the council's neck, I think. When we put in our proposals, they were very impressed by them. And it was 37 pages long, as opposed to the other two people that had asked businessmen with lots of money and one or two A4 sheets with how they thought it was an iconic building with no plan for the community or anything. So the council, I think, saw us as actually what it was meant to be, which was community. And us saying that we were going to run it for the community, by the community and, and form, you know, a charity or what have you, it appealed to them. And one of the sorry, interesting things that I was interviewing for last week's uh, Councillor Jane Mayer, yes. who was talking about the way in which the there should be a symbiosis, if you like, between the Edinburgh festivals oh, yes. and the town hall. Oh, yes. Now, look how it, the festival has spread down to Leith Theatre. Portobello is such a magnificently growing massive a community it's so full of dancers artists it's it's what i call a very theatrical place <laughs> you know so there is people that would support it they'd bring people down i mean how long does it take on a 26 bus and if people came down and they put things on in the town hall for the festival fringe we also have belfield we also have the wash house we also have joppa st mark's in churches, we have loads of valuable space and some of it's a lot better than some of the, the cupboards that they're putting on in the fringe normally. I did hear somewhere they're wanting to expand into different places. I think the time is ripe for us really to get this happening. Basically, I'm in a happy place. I've got my wee hobby doing things. I can still dip in and out of Lothian Dance Academy when they ask me to. I actually have a plan that when my knees and my back get better, um, I might start some adult ballet classes. I've been asked to do chair tap dancing. It's for people that want to do tap dancing, but they're not as fit for doing it all standing up, so they can hold on to the chair, they can sit down, they can dance round it. I have a plan to do staying alive classes, which are all to do with keeping your heart in a good condition. You can start on the chair, use the chair, and just keep things going that way. So. Actually, when you turn a certain age and you retire, life doesn't stop. Actually, life begins. It's just a different era. I'm looking forward now. 
and enjoyed the thought of looking forward. It's now up to Miss Ashley and Miss Sarah to take Lothian Dance Academy forward and we hope to speak to them sometime in the future once they've fully settled in to their new role as owners as well as teachers. And we also wish Miss Morayk herself success in whatever she wants to do, improving her health and spending more quality time with her husband in particular, as well as keeping involved with the town hall. And that's it once again for this week. If you have any ideas about interesting people doing interesting things here in Portobello, then get in touch via social media or through email at theportypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.